Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Sean, thank you so much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio today. Now, tell us a bit about your eye condition because you were diagnosed with Stargardt's as a teenager. How did that manifest itself? Basically, I went for a routine eye test as part of school one day and the, the sort of nurse that was doing the eye test there was quite alarmed. I, I couldn't really read the, the, the sign with all the letters on particularly well and at the time, because I was only, sort of, I think I was about 12, maybe 13 at that point and at the time I just, I, I didn't realise that anything was wrong so if anything I just went away thinking it was a, a little bit of a laugh really and, and didn't take it seriously at all and it was only when I went to see a doctor shortly after that that they discovered that there might actually be something quite seriously wrong with my vision. So that was how it all started, yeah. I got, got diagnosed with Stargardt's shortly after that. Now, Stargardt's is pretty rare, I have to say. I mean, one of our presenters here, Simon Pauly, my best friend, he has Stargardt's. And we have interviewed people on the radio station in the past about Stargardt's. But you felt very, very alone with this condition, didn't you, Sean? Because you'd never met anybody with Stargardt's or indeed never really anybody with an eye condition. No, no. And, and because of Stargardt's, obviously, it's not the kind of thing that you can sort of catch or, you know, it, it's not something that, that people are, are too aware of. It's not really in the public eye. You know, it's mainly just down to, to genes and things like that. But, you know, whatever your parents' genes sort of throw together, then, it, you know, there's a, there's a small chance that, that Stargardt's could be in there somewhere. I've got a younger sister who's actually got the same eye condition, but literally we're the only two people that I've, I've ever come across pretty much until last week when I was watching the Paralympics and uh, Libby Clegg was running a race there. She's pretty much, I think, the third person ever that I'd heard of, of actually having Stargard. So, yes, it has been a bit strange. And it's because it's so rare, it's difficult to explain to people. It's not covered by the media very often. It's not something that people are, get to see on a regular basis. So it can be a bit stressful. And, yeah, there's, there's been times when it's been incredibly frustrating. But your mindset adjusts and then you just try to find the best ways that you can to deal with it. Trying to help people to understand why you can't do certain things. And even though I can see to a degree and I can get around relatively well, there are things that I just can't do. And, and sometimes people don't always manage to join the dots too well between the version of me that, that I try to sort of present to the world that is perfectly fine and perfectly independent versus the, the one that probably needs a little bit of help from time to time. So, yeah, it, it can be tricky to get that across to people sometimes. Indeed. Now, we'll talk about your work in just a second, but uh, yeah. how did it affect your relationships? I mean, we know you're, you're 30 now. You don't mind me saying that, Sean. Uh, and <laughs> no, you're, no. You're, you're married to the lovely Lindsay, who just That's seems right. like a complete and utter angel. But, you know, how did it affect your relationships as, as a teenager? You know, I didn't find at the time when I first lost my sight that everybody was as understanding as the next person. And actually, for me, it separated the men from the boys. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's not something I tend to talk about too much because I've sort of covered it up. And, and again, going back to one of my earlier points about this idea that people, because they can't necessarily see that there is a, a problem, they don't necessarily know that there is one. And, and sometimes, I, I suppose it's a compliment in a way, but people have accused me of covering things up really, really well and not sort of letting on when I've found things difficult. You know, when it came to you know relationships and friends, particularly when I was a bit younger and, and obviously at school, there's a lot of pride and everybody's trying to be the coolest kid at school and all that kind of things. I think I just tried to handle it by unless it had to be said or unless it had to be spoken about, then I'd, I'd just sort of let it slide and I wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> yes, I, I understand what you're saying. That must be quite hard, you know, difficult in itself that you're trying to cover it up. I mean, that must lead to real anxiety at times. 
Yeah, yeah, it really does. The kind of person that I am, it tends tend to ball things up anyway. I think that's just my way of dealing with things. I tend not to say anything, and then usually I have like a. If I've balled enough up for long enough, then there's a little bit of a crash, and I have like a little bit of a sort of my anxiety really does kick in. And um, recently, I've had a little bit of an issue where I've, I've just not been dealing with things particularly well. And, and ironically, it's all from good intentions because you try to sort of just keep things moving and, and not sort of create a problem or let anybody know that I've been struggling for any reason. But then, you know, that does come with a side order of stress. Really, you know, it, it can be quite difficult sometimes to to speak about it or and then. You know, in this situation that I've been in recently where I have just bottled things up and haven't really said anything or haven't been asking for help, then he kind of comes back and bites you a little bit further down the line. So I'm learning as I get a little bit older. I think I'm not quite as proud as I was or, or you know, not so bothered about what people think anymore. So I'm trying to be a bit more outward in terms of communicating about my vision and uh, things that I might need help with. And, and again, it's partly because, you know, why wouldn't you ask for help? It, it, it just seems like such a simple thing to do, even though it can be quite hard at times. But um, it, it does have the knock-on effect that if, if I'm happier and I'm getting the support, then it, I'm not going to have any problems with, with sort of getting stressed out about things or feeling anxious about whatever's going on at the time. When I was 19, I was so, uh, it almost became like an addiction. People saying to me, you know, that I was so brave and that I was coping so well. And actually, I just wanted to hear that all the time because it kept me going. Whereas inside, I was dying. I mean, I had hit rock bottom. And, you know, it was one of those situations, Sean, whereby I thought, you know, right, I, I have hit rock bottom now. I can't go any lower than I am right now. So the only way is up but it's not like a bad marriage you can't walk away from it you can't just run out the door and keep running it's there whether you like it or not but you know that takes a wee while for it to happen and in saying that I've been blind for 20 years now and I still get my little blips where I go through my anxious phases or I feel a bit depressed or you know and it's, it's just about you know the people who are around you and your, your inner strength really because something does take over eventually and you do snap out of it and you get on with it and you continue trying to inspire totally and and i think uh, literally in the last few weeks i've been talking to people at work or, or sort of close friends and and just saying that I've, I've actually gone through exactly what you've just been describing there like i've kind of needed people to tell me that i've been doing okay and that things are all right you know partly because sometimes it's just nice to get that feedback but then other times it, it tastes a bit sweeter to get that feedback when you know that inside you are finding things tough and, and people are still sort of proud of you. So I, I can totally get what you're saying there, Jill. That, that's absolutely bang on. And yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is, and, and again, maybe this comes back, back to my earlier point about pride and just trying to, to be a bit more open about things and ask for help where needed. Because I think if you are the kind of person that, that does take it very personally, or if, if you are finding things difficult, if you're just trying to, to find that nice bit of feedback from somebody else, then it, it, it just makes sense to try and get the help in order to be the best version of yourself that you can be. So as you are going to get that feedback and then I think you, there's less chance of, of tripping ourselves up then. But at the same time, you know, we're all going to have our bad days and we've, we've just got to pick ourselves up from time to time, dust ourselves off and then go again. And usually things do work out all right. That's that's sort of the, the motto I tend to live by. I try to be as positive as I can. It's just every now and again things, uh, things can knock you over a little bit, I find very much so well said sir well do you know something you and i have a little more in common than uh, people would think because not only are we visually impaired but uh, we both work in radio you've got your own radio show with radio brum tell us a bit about that yeah um brum radio is a new station that started in uh, about december time last year and it's, it's basically just trying to be uh, a little bit different for, for birmingham and sort of promote local talent so 
it's very varied in topics that we discuss and what we try to, to sort of communicate with, with the local community. So we'll go from trying to discover local bands and talking about club nights and things like that through to restaurants. And, you know, we've, we've got a, a show that's uh, been set up purely for, for authors and, and sort of script writers, basically, which, you know, just tries to, to encourage people that are, you know, trying to get their work out there as actors or, or, or sort of TV writers. So it's, it's really varied what we do. My little show uh, goes out every Saturday, and it's called The A-List. It's very much a music show, so I just try to find the best new music from local bands and local artists, and then there's a little bit of space to be a bit self-indulgent and put some of my own uh, favourite picks in there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really fun, and uh, I'm, I'm sure as you'll back me up on this, that when you're doing a live radio show, you just have to be in that moment, and it doesn't really matter whatever else is going on, how stressed you feel or anxious you feel, or the other end of it, you could be having the best day ever, but you, you know, you're doing a job to, to try and make somebody else feel entertained or maybe they're having a tough time so the idea that you're playing songs or talking about points that are going to make their day I just love it and from the second as we put the mics up and we sort of get stuck into our show every week it really is just the best thing to do I find it's such a great sort of release for any any problems because you you, you know you're there to help other people or, or entertain other people and uh, I just love it it's amazing I, I know exactly what you're talking about because you know nobody wants to sit and hear every problem in your life so you've got to kind of leave your problems at the studio door which can be a great release for you as an individual and uh, it sounds like you're having great great fun with it and uh, self-indulgent with the music well why not I mean it's absolutely amazing to be able to play your own music and uh, I know that you are a real big fan of music you've DJed in some really really prestigious places tell us a bit about that yeah, um, I've, I've played at that Ministry of Sounds and Gatecrasher um, before it left Birmingham, unfortunately. It's just left Birmingham, which is a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, uh, so those two uh, have been, uh, the, there's a big indie night called Propaganda that some of the listeners might have heard of. It's, it's got a massive sort of student following. So playing for, for events like that, it's amazing. Like literally sort of playing to sort of a thousand people in a, in a big gig venue. It's, it's such an incredible feeling. So yeah, I've been I've been quite fortunate to have been given those opportunities, but I'm very grateful for them because we really had some amazing experiences. Well, it sounds like you've worked so hard for it, Sean. So well done to you. And thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing with us your inspiring story. And if anybody wants to hear more of what you do, you are a Mixcloud. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's mixcloud.com slash Sean Minot. And then the station that I've just started working for is Brum Radio. So it's brumradio.com. My little show goes out every Saturday from 2. Fantastic. Sean, have a great afternoon, whatever you're getting up to. And we'll speak to you again soon here on RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you. Bye. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.